Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather here today, we pray for an outpouring of the gift of understanding so that we may know that we were baptized priest, prophet, and king. We make all these prayers in Jesus' name, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The opening line of our gospel reading today is, they were filled with expectation. And I've been kind of chewing on that word expectation all week. Because as I discerned my call to the priesthood and discerned what we're doing right now, which I would argue is the most important thing you'll ever do in your life, which is the holy sacrifice of the Mass, I just found through that time of discernment, a lot of people seem to be passed over in discerning and learning about what, it, what the Mass really is. Because after Vatican II, something changed where the priest actually began to face the people during the liturgy And I would argue that it actually confused more people than actually helped them understand the liturgy. Because then it became more of a Betty Crocker cooking show, and it didn't seem to help people understand what do these prayers mean when he's actually at the altar. Because in the Old Testament and all the way through the New, whenever a sacrifice was offered, and Jesus is the eternal sacrifice, They would all offer together, facing in the same direction to God. So the image I want to give you, and it's a pretty uh, kindergarten-esque image, is the image of a gentleman in our community, and he just won the lottery. And in the lottery, he won about $15 million. And it just so happens that all of us, collectively, are $15 million in debt. And if we don't pay that debt off soon, all of us are going to jail. We're kind of freaking out. We really don't know what to do. And he hears about this, and he comes on our behalf, and he meets with us, and he says, I'm going to pay your debt. And he says, one thing I really enjoy and one thing I like to do is I like to bring pies to people and bring them to their homes. So the sacrifice I'm going to offer, ask for all of you to offer to me is pies. And some of us might think, well, I'm really good at baking cookies. Well, I didn't ask for cookies, I asked for pies. Well, I'm I'm really good at X. Well, I didn't ask for X, I asked for pies. So we all decide, you know what, we should really just do what he asks us to do out of love for what he's done for us. So all of us bake pies, and some of you, you know, you make an apple pie, or, or you make a chocolate pie, or you make a strawberry pie, or a peach pie, you name it, we make it. And me, as your leader, I go to the person who paid off that debt for us, and he's behind me, right? And I'm with all of us, and I go to him, here's your pie, and I'm facing all of you with him behind me. I say, thank you so much. What might be the problem with that? He's probably thinking, yoo-hoo, <laughs> I'm behind you. <laughs> exactly. So when we face the same direction, it's actually a sign of unity that we're all, pray, or all giving thanks and praise to him for saving us from jail. And that's a simple image, but there's prayers during our Eucharistic liturgy where I'm actually talking to the Father and I'm standing in the person of Jesus and we're all supposed to be offering ourselves at Mass as a sacrifice with Jesus. So a lot of people don't know this, But in the Old Testament, the altar was the main focus. So when we're at Mass, we're fulfilled Jews. When we're at Mass, 
the altar is the main focus. That's why when the priest comes in, he kisses the altar. Because that's where the sacrifice is going to take place. And you all, as baptized priests, prophet, and king, you're all baptized priests, and me as the ordained priest, we're called to offer our praise, our thanksgiving, Jesus. We're supposed to place ourselves on the patent and in the chalice as much as possible and offer Jesus back to the Father to say thank you. Thank you so much. And I think a lot of us have been kind of brought up in a, a very Protestant world where I go to church because it makes me feel good or I want to hear a good message. And those aren't bad reasons, but that's not the reason. That's not what Jesus asked of us to do. He actually asked for us to sacrifice because the heart of worship, the core of worship is sacrifice. I even had someone come to me last night after I gave the same exact homily and came up to me and said, Father, I didn't get what I wanted out of Mass. That's a very American look at Mass. We actually don't go to Mass because of me. It's actually like John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. It's actually all of us offering Jesus back to the Father to know that when Jesus instituted the Eucharist and when he died on Calvary, it was one eternal sacrifice. And when we're at Mass, we enter into that sacrifice, but now it's an unbloodied sacrifice. Was that your expectation when you came to Mass? Or have you ever heard any of this when we call, talk about our expectation? What are we supposed to be doing when we come to Mass? And I'm not pointing fingers. I just assume that most of us have never been told any of this. Because it's not about the priest. It's not a Betty Crocker cooking show up there. It's actually about all of us as a team, as a family, offering Jesus to the Father. And to enter into that holy sacrifice. Because even in the Old Testament, when Abraham had his son Isaac at a very old age, he had Isaac, they went up the mountain. And that's what these stairs actually represent, the mountain in this sanctuary. And when we go up the mountain, they, they ask the question, because Abraham was supposed to sacrifice his son. But they said, where is the lamb for sacrifice? And God said, I will provide the lamb for sacrifice. Do not sacrifice Isaac. I was testing your faith. So Jesus fulfills that Old Testament story by carrying wood on his back up Mount Calvary, which is where we're at at every single Mass. And he is the Lamb of God, for John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, the Lamb, the eternal sacrifice. There is no other. And we're all called to sacrifice Jesus to the Father. And I've just found that it's very confusing during our liturgy, because when I'm facing you, but I'm actually talking to the Father, a lot of times I think God's like, hey, I'm back here. Yoo-hoo. Right? So what I'd like to do is I'd like us to really look at the Eucharistic prayers of our Mass. So I'm not, you're not thinking, oh, he's, he's going old school. He's going rogue on us. Or he's really progressive. He's real liberal because he's calling all of us kingdom priests, baptized priests. But the truth of the matter is I'm just Catholic. I hope you are too, and I hope you know that the, the words conservative and liberal are actually terms that were invented to divide the church and not bring it together. But I'm a, I'm a very logical person. A plus B equals C, right? 
So for me, when I started learning these things in seminary and learning them as a priest, I just wonder how confusing it can be. Because sometimes people even say to me, Father, you know when you're at the altar, why don't, why don't you ever look at us? Well, it's actually because I'm not even praying to you. I'm actually praying with you to the Father. And it wouldn't make any sense to look at you if I'm standing in the person of Christ and communicating to the Father. So if you would, pull out your heritage missile, and I'd like just to do a little bit of teaching in this Mass to help us understand what I'm saying is I'm not making this up. So if you turn to page 19 on the bottom right, page 19, we're going to look at, at Eucharistic Prayer 3. And I think this is helpful for us just to kind of see what I'm talking about, to use our, visu- our visual understanding. On page 19, it says Eucharistic Prayer 3. And it's important to know who the prayers are directed towards, right? Who the prayers are directed towards. And it's not that I'm turning my back to you and I'm at the, at the liturgy. I'm actually facing with you, right? So if I was going up that same mountain as Jesus or up that same mountain as Abraham, I'd be leading you by facing the same direction as you. So the first words of the Eucharistic liturgy, it says, You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Who is the you? It's our dad. It's our Heavenly Father. We're talking to the Father at this point. All of us. And the priest is the mouthpiece. He is the head. And you are all the body. And therefore we talk to the Lord. And we call upon the Holy Spirit, upon that bread and wine. It's called the epiclesis. And that is the moment when things start to change. And we use bells to remind us, pay attention. And then it even says, we enter into the Last Supper, the beginning of the sacrifice. On the right side, it says, For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread and giving you thanks, which would be the Father. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. At that point, the priest is also sacrificing himself with Jesus. And all of us are supposed to say to the, back to Jesus, This is my body, and I'm sacrificing myself with Jesus too, Dad, Father. He didn't know these things, I'm not pointing fingers, but I'm hoping, hoping to shed some light upon where there may be some confusion. So we know what our expectations are as we head into 2019. And he even goes even further and says, take this all of you and drink from it, for this is a chalice of my blood. And likewise, we should be doing the same thing, offering our blood with the blood in the chalice. Please turn to the next page on page 20. After that, after those two things are said, the the Eucharist is now Jesus, right? It's now Jesus. And I say the words, the mystery of faith. The mystery of faith is that what just happened on the altar, it's a mystery that somehow, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through through the ordained priesthood, the sacrament of ordained holy orders, that bread and wine is now the body and blood of Jesus. And we say... When we eat this flesh, or when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. So we're all praying together to the Father. 
And if you go to the bottom of page 20 on the left-hand side, it says, May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect. And then we talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph. An eternal offering. We're entering into eternity at Mass, where we offer ourselves with Jesus on the patent and in the chalice to the Father. So our worship is not primarily about us. It's about God. It's not about feeling good or getting what I want to get out of it. It's about worshiping and getting that focus off of ourselves for that hour or so to know that what we're doing is what God asked us to do. We're not doing a random service. We're doing what Jesus himself instituted. And if we think that we know better than Jesus, we might need to do a little reading or listen to relevant radio or go on the form app to maybe learn a little bit. Because this is actually the principle of solidarity, where even Jesus became one of us, God to save us became one of us, and the priest, in solidarity with all of you, actually can face the same direction as you. And when he's talking to you at Mass, he'll actually face you. And when he's talking with you to the Father, praying to the Father, sacrificing ourselves to the Father, he faces with you. And not turning his back towards you. And it might look like he's turning his back towards you, but he's actually not. It's actually the principle of solidarity. And then further, you hear the words, the last parts of the prayer. It says, listen graciously to the prayers of this family. To know that we're a family of worshipers who sacrifice. Whom you have summoned. That means we've been called here. And we even say, in your compassion, who we're praying to. O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. So I don't know if that was your expectation that when Jesus was baptized, he didn't have to be. He came to be with all of us in solidarity to say that this is an, I'm, I'm the son, to proclaim it to the world. And also when you were all baptized as sons and daughters of the Father, you were baptized priest, prophet, and king. And what priests do is priests offer sacrifice. Priests offer sacrifice. So when we come to Mass, it's not about our, primarily about our feeling, it's about sacrifice. It's, about, it's not about feelings, it's about being faithful to what Jesus asked us to do. And my goal through this homily is that you never pray the Mass the same again. And it can be a little bit confusing when we face each other. So what we're going to do at this Mass, I'm actually going to face the cross with you And when the prayers are directed towards you, I will actually turn towards you. So you know who's being talked to, who's being addressed. But pay attention to the words we and you. Because we're doing this as a family. And a family who is led somewhere is facing the same direction, right? And it's not saying when the priest faces you, it's wrong. But I just think it can be a little bit confusing and we kind of lose, like, what is our expectation here, right? Last thing to change gears here just a little bit. So this week, I'll be heading with eight high school students from Anago to Washington, D.C., with about 200 other Catholic students from our diocese to Washington, D.C., to go on this event called the March for Life. Because it's strange in our culture that we allow the killing of innocent children, babies. And since Roe v. Wade was passed in America, between 60 and 70 million babies have been 
killed, have died because we've okayed it. And in 2018, a study just came out, they did a number, the number for abortions that happened in America or in the world, 42 million abortions in one year. If that doesn't like make your stomach twist and turn a little bit, I don't know what will. Because even St. Teresa of Calcutta says, if abortion's not wrong, then nothing is wrong. And I'm not pointing fingers if you know someone who's had an abortion. I'm not pointing fingers even if you have had an abortion. But we're sacrificing the wrong thing, right? We're sacrificing our own children. We don't need to do that anymore. Because hopefully we know that we can even find a heartbeat between 9 and 12 days. It's a life. And the church has always said that life begins at conception. And science is even beginning to prove that. Yet we have people who most likely, if they've had an abortion, have been lied to. They were told there's no other way. But we live in a world that doesn't see the value of the dignity of human life. From life, from conception, to natural death. And to be pro-choice, unfortunately, it's actually kind of easy. Because then I don't, I don't have to like, really love people. To be, because to be pro-life means to be pro-love. To love someone in the womb to the tomb, right? And that's hard. Because there's, there's people that when we're around them, they bring the worst out of us. And sometimes we, we, we actually wish bad on them. It's also one of the reasons why we come to Mass to actually ask the Lord to help us, to save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free, to set us free from this hatred. Because even our God was born of a virgin, right? He was in the womb. And he took on our flesh to be in solidarity with us. So as I head to Washington, D.C., I ask for your prayers for safe travels for all of us because over 600,000 people will be on this march to say we're a pro-life generation. Because the culture of death, this throwaway culture that Pope Francis talks about, has got to end. Because we see so many people depressed and the statistics after someone has an abortion, even if it's the husband or the wife or the father or the mother, it leads them to depression. And these are our brothers and sisters. And we have to love them and bring them into the fold to say it's time to come to confession. It's time to find healing, to know that you can be forgiven, and then you can forgive yourself. And then you can receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus purely. What was your expectation as you came to Mass today? Were you filled with expectation that you're called to worship and sacrifice? Were you filled with expectation of knowing that we do this March for Life every single year to know we've got to change the tide? Because as individuals, we can't do much. But as a family who's going in the same direction, we can do a whole lot. So I ask for your prayers for our students that have a conversion. Because a lot of us have been fed the lie that it's just a clump of cells. It's not really a life. Some people don't even believe it's a life until like one year, two years. So many lies out there. But we believe that life begins at conception and we're called to honor the dignity of every human life until death. Because our Lord and Savior conquered death to set us free from sin and its hold on us. So let us ask our Lord to help us through the gift of understanding to know what we do here. I'm an ordained priest. You are all baptized priests. 
and you are called to offer sacrifice with me. So pay attention to the prayers. We will use those same prayers that we guys went over, Eucharistic Prayer 3, and ask the Lord just to move your heart. And if you're confused, pray for the gift of understanding. My prayers are with you. My prayers are for you to pray that we can have a deeper understanding of what the liturgy truly is. And may Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.